Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. And we have weapons. These are not carnal or physical or natural weapons, but they are powerful weapons, spiritual weapons. And the purpose of these weapons are for pulling down strongholds or destruction of strongholds. Now, we're not necessarily so familiar with strongholds anymore, but in the old days, you know, they used to build castles. You know, cities used to have walls to protect from outside invaders, you know, and they, they would be covered with walls, you know. Today, we might, you know, consider it like, you know, we have a building that's, you know, as a security system and, you know, we lock things up. You know, I guess that, that's about the closest we can get to today because we really don't live in walled cities or castles anymore. You understand that? Amen? But you have to understand, in the time that this was written, the concept of a stronghold was where you, you found sanctuary and protection. When you were behind the walls of a city, you, you know, and it was protected by military and, 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 and the... Uh, military force of the city of the kingdom whatever you know so it, it was for protection well what it says here is those strongholds pulling down strongholds now in this case a stronghold obviously is somebody ha that has a something that has a stronghold on you something that's holding you strongly what is that you can see how do you pull down strongholds it tells you casting down arguments or imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Okay? So we are dealing with high things and arguments and ideas, mentalities, thoughts, and then it says because bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God is disobedient to the Word of God. And we have weapons of our warfare to, to do what? To pull down, to cast down, to bring down, and to punish. Okay? Let's read this in the Passion Translation. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish and trace any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. So you can see here, the purpose of these weapons of warfare are what? To break through, demolish, capture, and punish. Anything that is against 
God, God's knowledge, God's word. And the way that these strongholds will operate in the, in the life of a, a person would be in the thoughts. Because thoughts can become a stronghold. What you believe can become a stronghold. What you believe will become a stronghold, the thoughts. This is why it's very important for you to take captive and to punish every thought that is ungodly and that is contrary to the word of God. If you don't, allow, if you don't do that, a thought will get in your head. Fear, you'll have a fearful mind that will dominate you. You can have lust, you can have perversion that will just be constantly, your thoughts will be constantly plagued with those things. You can have anger, you can have unforgiveness, you can have bitterness. Do you understand me? You, or, or again, we have to understand there is a war for our minds. And everything we were praying about today, that's what's going on. People are being indoctrinated with lies in the world. And those lies are propagated by agents of deception. They are people, but we know that behind them are spirits. So we're not dealing with natural people. We are dealing with the spirits behind them. You go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Again, there's that word might, power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not war or wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. That's a belt. The belt of truth. Everyone say belt of truth. Where is that? It's on your waist. Holds, holds up your pants. Amen? But not just that. You use your belt to hang things. Sometimes, on occasion, I f forget to wear a belt, and it's really hard to hang this belt pack, because they call it belt pack. On my jeans, it keeps popping out because it's designed to fit on a belt, you know? And, you know, in the same way, you can put a phone on it. Obviously, you know, you see police officers, man. They got so many things hanging on their belts, right? You know, and so belt is something you hook things onto. The belt of truth is what you hook things onto. Without truth, nothing will, without the truth, nothing will be able to be, uh, you won't be able to hook anything, you won't be able to hold anything. Truth is what holds everything up, okay? So the belt of truth is absolutely a key in the weapons of our warfare because the only way to defeat the lie is by the truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But if you don't know the truth, it, cannot, it will not help you. And any lie you believe is going to put you in bondage. And that's why they want people to believe the lies because it just puts everybody in bondage. And you got to make sure not to believe lies about yourself. 
the devil will want you to believe lies about yourself. I'm ugly. I'm stupid. I'm incompetent. I'm no good. I'm this. I'm that. I'm, I'm fat. I'm thin. I'm this. I'm, I'm old. I'm young. You know, whatever it is. I'm not educated. I'm, and and he, he'll try to attack you, attack your confidence, your uh, self-assurance. You can have a guilty mindset where you always feel guilty you're never good enough feel condemned you can have you can have you know you can believe that you'll never get free from some addiction you can the enemy will want you to believe because whatever you believe is whatever you're going to have so the enemy will try to get you to believe a lie so what you have to do is you have to believe the truth and you have to renew your mind with the truth the more truth you know the more free you are from the lie. Otherwise, deception and strong delusion. We were looking at this last night in the in River School of Ministry. Strong delusion. In the end times, the Bible says there'll be strong delusion and a departure from the truth, a falling away, a great falling away, as people are departing from the truth. That's what apostasy means. The great apostasy, the great falling away, is when people depart from the truth. And the Bible tells us to love truth. To love truth. We have to love truth. Amen. Bible says also that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Or we can also say grace and truth came as Jesus Christ. Because grace and truth are a person. Grace is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. Truth is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the truth. Right? I am. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the truth. And you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So truth is not just knowing information. Truth is also knowing a person. Knowing Jesus. And apart from Jesus, you can't know truth. You can have bits and pieces of what seems to be truth, but there'll always be some lies or other things woven into it. This is another issue. Sometimes, you know, people want to take principles of the Bible and apply them, which will work for anybody. There are certain principles in the Bible. If you actually learn and apply them, you'll start to see the benefit of it. It's truth. But you can apply the principles of the Bible and succeed. But without the person of Jesus, you'll still go to hell. So there's the principles of the Bible, and there's the person of the Bible. Jesus Christ is a person. Knowing truth is knowing a person, not just having information. There's a lot of people that say they're Christians. They know stuff up here about God, but they don't know God. They know things about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They have no personal relationship with him, or they've never been personally impacted. They've never had a personal encounter with the Lord. But once you've had a personal encounter with, a, with Jesus, a personal encounter with the person of Jesus... You know him. And knowing Jesus is knowing truth. And so it's not just the principles or teachings of Jesus, but it's also the person of Jesus. You can apply the principles of Jesus and they will benefit you because it's wisdom, right? But without the person of Jesus, you'll still go to hell. So the person of Jesus. So we have the breast, the, the, uh, the having our waist girded with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness okay so 
This is a picture of a Roman soldier of the time. Because that's the time that Paul lived in. Okay. Today you can say uh, armored, uh, uh, bulletproof vest. See a police officer, they got a bulletproof vest. It protects the most vital organs. You know, right up here, the chest area and the, the body, the heart, the lungs, the, all the vital internal. The, the breastplate protects the inner man, the inner person. And the breastplate of righteousness, right? So righteousness, because righteousness is something that's on the inside of you. And righteousness that is of the heart. The breastplate protects your heart. Amen. So protect your heart. The breastplate of righteousness. Then you have. Having, uh, your, having shut your feet. With the preparation of the gospel of peace. So. Your feet. You're wearing the gospel on your feet. What you stand on is the gospel. The gospel is the foundation. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So the shield of faith. The shield is a defensive. The shield of faith is the defensive use of the word. Right? The word of faith. Shield of faith is the defensive. So when the enemy fires these fiery darts at you, attacking you, you have to put up the shield of faith. What does that mean? You have to counter with the word. When he says, you're going to die? No, I will live and not die. Because I'm healed from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet. And the Lord will fulfill the length of my days. And with long life, he will satisfy me. Amen. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. These are all scriptures. And you've got to speak back the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, you're not going to make it to the end of the month. It's going to be financially tough. And the thoughts are hitting you, right? Come against that foul lie of the devil. My Lord shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I'm a sower. I have harvest coming to me. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. The blessing of the Lord makes me rich and adds no sorrow. So I refuse this sorrow. I'm just going to laugh my way into my provision. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And you got to just start quoting the word, quoting scripture. What are you doing? You're putting up the shield of faith. And the more word you have in you, the more faith you have. And the bigger the shield is. Amen. The Romans, they had big shields. They could just basically stand behind the shield. And they actually locked the shields and basically formed what they called this, um, what was the name of that thing? Ah, I, can't, I can't remember. The, but they would just put the shields up, the ones on, and then everybody put their shields. And they basically formed a, a complete wall with their shields. And you can just shoot Arrows all you want. They just bounce off the shields. And they would be marching behind those shields. You know, protected top and all sides. Anybody seen the movies? Come on, you've seen some movies, right? What I'm talking about. Okay. Um, Roman phalanx, right? Was it, huh? Phalanx is like, yeah. And then they would turn into like a, a, like a wedge shape and break right through. 
the enemy. So you can see, you know, Paul, the apostle Paul writing this, he was using example of the day to explain, because people had that concept. So it's really, in, in a sense, a parable, trying to describe a spiritual concept with natural things, right? So the shield of faith, because it protects you against the fiery darts of the enemy, of the evil one, because he's going to shoot fiery darts. Something's gonna, somebody's going to say a word, trying to offend you and hurt you. And if you don't put up the shield of faith, it's going to pierce right into you and it's going to burn. It's going to burn on the inside of you and you're going to be bitter, you're going to be angry, you're going to be upset, you're going to be offended. And all it's going to do is hurt you. Right? So protect yourself by the word. I will take no offense in the name of you. I don't care what anybody says. I will take no offense. I will not allow anyone's words to hurt me. Doesn't matter what they say about me. I go to the word and say what God says about me. Somebody can call me a loser. I'm a winner. I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. I'm blessed. Doctor can say, well, you got this and you're going to die. You're going to say, no, I don't have that. I have life and I'm going to live. You know, you have to counter the lie with the truth. That's the shield of faith. So you can see the word that you speak is a weapon. So truth is a weapon. Righteousness is a weapon because righteousness protects our heart. If your heart condemns you, your faith will not work. If your heart condemns you, Bible says, you will have no confidence before God. But faith is a confidence. It's an assurance. It's a boldness. Believing, speaking, expecting, receiving. Right? That's what faith is. So you expect it. You believe it. You speak it. You expect it. It's not I hope so. It's I know so. There's a big difference. I'm hoping and praying. Well, it'll never happen. Because you're just hoping. Hoping always puts, pushes it into the future. Faith brings it into the now. Faith says, I have it now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you. It is mine. You promised it. I'm your child. Amen. It's mine because Jesus' blood paid for it. The price is paid. It's mine. I believe it. I receive it. And I thank you for it. And I'm going to act like I have it now. I'm going to call those things which be not as though they were. And I'm just going to start dancing. Hallelujah. Rejoicing as if I already have it. Amen. That's what, because faith counts it as done. Hallelujah. Smith Wigglesworth said, if you, if you prayed and asked for something 11 times, you prayed in unbelief 10 times. Why? Because if the first time you pray, you have to believe you've already received it. If you keep asking, if you keep asking, if you keep asking again and again and again, it's almost like you don't believe you've received it. Bible says, ask and you shall receive and your joy will be full. So ask, receive, and count it as done whether you see it or not. It doesn't matter what you, whether you see it or not. Okay? Ask, receive, believe you have it, and just say, Father, I thank you. So next time, just say, Father, remember that thing I asked? I, I know I have it, so I just thank you. I just thank you. Well, where is it? I have it. Well, show me. I have it. It's on its way. But I know it's, it's, it's just kind of like this. I, I, this is the way I explain it. Who does shopping on Amazon? Okay. Who does any kind of shopping online? Okay. When you go online, you pick an item. You put it in the 
shopping cart, right? That's what faith is. Picks the item of need, puts it in the shopping cart. You got to go find it in the Word, in the catalog, right? In the inventory, find it in the Word, put it in the shopping cart, okay? And then because Jesus paid the price, so you got like a prepaid credit card, okay? So you got like a prepaid card, or you got like some kind of a promotional gift card number or something. So you got it, you, you put it in, and you click, right? You've ordered it. What do you say, people? I bought something on Amazon, right? You say, I bought, past tense. And because you bought it, you expect that it's coming, right? But it's not going to be in your hand right at the moment because it's got to get delivered. So it's, it's in process to get to you, but you're expecting it. It's actually... Let's say it's a, you know, overnight. If it doesn't show up next day, you're upset. You're calling people. Hey, where is my stuff? I paid for it. It's done. It's, it's mine. Where is it? You know. Okay? So, the Holy Ghost is the UPS man. Holy Ghost is the FedEx man. I want to say Holy Ghost is USPS, but I, USPS is so broken. Anybody have problems with USPS? Unbelievable. <laughs> USPS is like religion. Never shows up. Never does anything. <laughs> Bought these. <laughs> we get stuff from Amazon all the time, you know. And when I see it's USPS, I'm like, oh. I think we Bought these filters for the air conditioners, okay. It, they show delivered. We never got it, okay. Shows delivered. Never got it. Called Amazon. <laughs> like a week later, they refunded it. We got our money back. Two months later, I kid you not, two months later, USPS is out here with the filters. Two months later. It was the, it's unbelievable. Government. That's why government shouldn't do anything. Government shouldn't touch anything. Anything government touches messes up. That's why socialism is bad. Socialism will destroy, ruin America. Socialism is horrible. Government doing health? Well, they tried. Government, anything government gets their hand to is going to be messed up. Bureaucracy, delays, bunch of lazy people, because there's no incentive to succeed. Just we, we have a saying in Turkish, just shake your head and get paid. Shake your head and get paid. That's government employees. You just go there, shake your head and get paid. Just shake your head and get paid, you know. What is it? Smile and nod. And then do nothing. That's government for you right there. There's no incentive. This um, convention center... Palm Beach Convention Center loses millions every year. You know why? Because it's government. Got a couple of government employees that they have no incentive to rent the thing out, make deals, anything. You know, it just loses millions. Mismanagement. That's why the government should never manage anything. All these idiots that want the government to manage everything, our lives, they're total decept in deception. But they've been they've been indoctrinated with the lie. 
I don't want government. The government's job is just to provide basic, you know, quality of life. That's it. And leave, leave me alone. And because it's, it's the spirit of pioneering or entrepreneurship that produces creativity. And, and that's, that's why socialism is anti-God. Because it, it kills creativity. Creates the, the concept of be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And succeed and prosper. No, because if you prosper, they're just going to take it from you, give it to somebody else. That's not doing anything. It's the opposite of the parable of the talents. Taking it from the one with the ten talents, giving it to the one wicked and lazy servant who didn't do anything. It's anti-God. Of course, people don't know what socialism is. They just think it's free health care, free education. That's what they've taught the kids. So they just want free, 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 free stuff. But there's nothing for free. Somebody got to pay for it. Right? Anyway, so, huh? <laughs> Amen. That's why this nation is great, because of capitalism and, and entrepreneurship, the pioneering spirit. Go west, young man. Be all that you can be. This was the land of opportunity. That's why everybody from all over the world wanted to come to America. Because you could be anything you wanted to be in, to be in America. And this is the only country where you can come to and become an American. I am an American. I came from Turkey and became an American. But you know what? You can't go to Germany and become a German. You'll never be a German. You can't go to Italy and become an I Italian. You certainly will ne can never go to France and become French. No. The French, the French will never let you become French. No. The pompous French. No. You'll ne you can never become French. You, you can't go to Russia and become a Russian. You know? You can't go to Japan and become a Jap Japanese. Even if you get your little eye surgery and the thing. You'll always be a gaijin. A foreigner. A gaijin. You know. But you can come to America and become an American. What a beautiful thing, huh? The melting pot of nations. Anybody can become an American. I am proud to be an American. You know. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So that's why th this, this is the last stand for freedom. And it's under attack. And if we take it for granted, we'll lose it. Shield of faith. Everyone say shield of faith. All right, so everyone say belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of gospel, and then shield of faith. And then there's two more. And take the helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation protects the, the other most important part of your body, your head, your brain. Amen. Your mind. Helmet of salvation. So salvation protects your mind. You have to understand the fullness of what is available in your salvation. If you don't understand the fullness of what's in, the, what's in salvation, you won't get it. Like some people, they, the only thing they understand about salvation is, all right, my sins are forgiven. I'm going to go to heaven. That's it. But then they don't, they don't break through. They don't understand that they've been delivered from poverty. They don't understand they've been delivered from sickness, disease. They don't understand they've been delivered from condemnation. Right? There's a whole package of salvation, the full gospel.
the full gospel, abundant life. Amen. Not half gospel, not gospel light, not skim gospel, not 2% gospel, full gospel, whole gospel. Hallelujah. Amen. The full gospel. Give me full whole milk with whole milk with cream on top. Nothing like it. What's this skim milk? It's like it's awful, man. Somebody put skim milk in my coffee. It's like you ruined my coffee. Don't put skim milk in. Give me half and half. Creamy, half and half. I mean, you know, it's just nothing worse than watered down coffee. I like my coffee strong, bold. Italian roast. Hallelujah. Bold. Hallelujah. Like Holy Ghost. <laughs> coffee. I said that somebody got offended left our church. He said, he, he's talking about Holy Ghost and coffee. But just joking. Lighten up. Chill. Amen. I like it bold. I like my coffee strong. Turkish coffee. With the grains in it and everything. Anybody had Turkish coffee? I have to. Uh, Cuban. Please. Cuban coffee can't. Hold the candle to Turkish coffee. Turkish coffee, you take the grains and you boil in the water and drink it. And, huh? and you get this big silt at the bottom when you finish it, like a mud. The muddier it is, the better it is. Strong mud. Thick mud. <laughs> we call it mud. Coffee mud. Mud. <laughs> Okay. It just takes a little while to, to make it, boil it. Hallelujah. Helmet of salvation. Everyone say, helmet of salvation. To protect my mind. Okay. And then finally, you have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay. So you have in one hand, the shield of faith, which is the defensive use of the word and on the other hand you have the sword of faith or the sword of the spirit which is the spirit of faith which is more of a offensive well, obviously you know they can be both i mean sword can be defensive and shield can be offensive as well but you know you have the shield of faith and then you have the sword of the spirit which is the word of god so that's what you speak to attack. Not people, but attack the enemy. You attack what's coming against you with the sword of the spirit. You speak the word and it cuts. And chop down the attacks of the enemy. You chop, you chop cancer down in the, in, in the roots. You chop, you chop fear down. You chop it down. You chop poverty down. You chop it down with the sword of the spirit. These are the weapons of our warfare. And we're not done. Watch this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So praying always. 
I also believe that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer, is connected. Praying the Word. Praying the Word. Praying the Word. Amen? Praying all kinds of prayer. Hallelujah. Praying always with all prayer. So there are different kinds of prayer. And the different kinds of prayer all have their own different uses. There's the prayer of faith. That's the prayer of faith to move mountains. It's the prayer of declaration and proclamation. It's the prayer of commandments. You command things. Be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea and the mountain will be gone. Amen. And there's the prayer of agreement, which, we, which is what we prayed. I said, let's pray in agreement over these prayer requests. We all agreed together, the prayer of agreement. There's prayer of uh, worship. Worship is the highest form of prayer. Worship is prayer. Praise and worship is prayer. There's the prayer of intercession. When you're standing in the gap and praying for somebody else. There's the prayer of commitment. When you cast all your cares upon the Lord, commit your works to the Lord. Amen? And there's prayer of supplication. When you make your requests known unto God, whatever it is you need, you request from the Father. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Why? Because it's the Father's responsibility, being a good father, to take care of his children. So if you're... If the, no father wants their children naked, destitute, starving on the streets. No good father would ever want that for their children. Every good father would want the best. And our father is not just a good father. He's a perfect father. He's our heavenly father from whom all good things come from. Every good and perfect gift comes from. Amen. He's perfect. What else prayer? What do we cover? Oh, yeah, there's praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. Amen. To edify your spirit, to strengthen your spirit, to build up yourself on your most holy faith. There's the prayer of consecration. When you consecrate yourself to the will of God, Lord, not my will, but let your will be done. So here's what happens. People confuse the different prayers and they pray them out of context. It's like trying to play football with a basketball. Amen. It's like trying to play tennis with a baseball. You strike a baseball with a tennis racket, you're going to break the thing. It's not going to bounce. It's not going to go anywhere. It's... It's out of context. It's, it's the wrong application. Amen. So you can't have the wrong application of the prayer. You can't pray when it comes to, let's say, for healing. You can't pray, Lord, if it be your will. And people don't understand it, and they pray like that. Lord, if it be thy will, you know, heal this person. So what? If it's not your will, kill him? What? No, if it's God's will to heal all. The Bible is very clear about that. It's God's will all should be saved. Lord, if it be your will, I pray that my cousin will be saved. It is his will. 
So if you, the moment you say if, you're not praying in faith. You have to say, Father, it is your will that my cousin is saved. I ask you to touch him and save him and that he would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. The conviction will come in his heart that he'll turn away and repent and, 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 and turn to you. Touch him and save him, Lord. Deliver him. Amen. So the prayer of consecration only works. Really, it's not that when you don't know the will of God. It's really you're struggling with the will of God. You know the will of God, but you're struggling. So it really is a place where you are committing yourself or consecrating yourself or surrendering to the will of God. Because Jesus, when he prayed that, he knew the will of God. He knew that he was supposed to go to the cross and die. But you know that is a... <laughs> he's about to be murdered in the most vicious way imaginable. I mean, when you know you're about to be tortured, beaten, whipped, forced to carry a cross after you've been whipped and scourged and beaten, and, and then, you, and then you, they're going to take you up on a hill, and they're going to nail you to a cross, hands and feet, and pierce your side, and people are going to come and mock you and spit on you. You know that's about to happen. You know, you know how that hard it is, knowing what's about to happen. In his case, Father, if it's possible, let this cup, this bitter cup pass from me. But he knew it wasn't possible. He said, I could have called a million angels to deliver me, a legion of angels to deliver me. Amen. But I choose to lay my life down for, and endure the shame of the cross for the joy that's set before me so that I can see the lost, the millions, the nations saved and healed and blessed. He took our infirmities, carried our diseases, took our curse so we could be blessed. The chastisement for our peace was laid upon him. By his stripes we were healed. He was bruised for our iniquities, pierced for our transgressions. So he took the shame, the curse, the pain, all upon himself for the joy, which is the joy of seeing us saved and redeemed. So he said, Father, if, it's be, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But he knew it wasn't, so he said, but yet, not my will, but let your will be done. Amen. And sometimes there are things you want. Your flesh wants them so bad. You have to bring it and lay it on the altar and say, Lord, not my fleshly will, but let your spiritual perfect will will be done. And I've seen people, you know, push their own will against the will of God, and it messes up their life. They end up in the wilderness, going around in circles, losing so much time, suffering so much pain for no reason, when all they had to do was yield their lives to the will of God, just saying, Father, I surrender myself to your perfect will. Not my will, but let your will be done, okay? That's the prayer of consecration and dedication. You can't pray that concerning things that is already known. That's really just, really, it's really more about you crucifying your flesh. And basically, that was about Jesus crucifying the fleshly part of him. So he actually died on in the Garden of Gethsemane, not on the cross, if you think about it. Because when he finally made a decision to submit to death, that's when he really died. So it's a decision. So really, prayer of consecration is concerning decisions in your life. 
not healing, not other things that are clearly defined in the Word of God. When you know the will of God, you can pray boldly the will of God in confidence. Amen. But when you're struggling with the will of God, then that's when you pray the prayer of consecration. Lord, I submit myself. Yes, Lord, I'll go to West Palm Beach, Florida. Imagine what it was like for me to move my family here. Think about that. But we did it joyfully and gladly because the Lord told us to do it. Amen. And we continue to do it joyfully and gladly. Even though sometimes you wonder, you know. And everybody goes through that. Lord, do people really want my ministry here? You know, can they really receive my ministry here? I thought maybe I'd get an answer for that. Okay. Amen. So the weapons of our warfare. So prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a powerful weapon. And for different, for, listen, I mean, for different things, you need different weapons. I mean, you can't go, you don't go deer hunting with a bazooka. There won't be anything left of the deer, you know, to eat. <laughs> you, you know, and, you, and you certainly go, can't go deer hunting with a 22. Yeah. You can hunt, you know, rabbits or whatever with a 22, but you better have a 308 or something stronger and, a, you know, bigger round to, to, to. You certainly can't go elephant hunting. You don't go elephant hunting with a 9-millimeter pistol. <laughs> you can empty the... <laughs> Mag, you're going to still get run over with that thing. You need something strong. Well, amen. Now, when you got a tank, you need a bazooka. Amen. But if you got an aircraft, you, you need an anti-aircraft missile, you know, something that's going to go supersonic way up there. You, need, you have different weapons for different needs. Amen. Hallelujah. So... Different weapons for different needs and different prayers for different situations. Amen. When you're dealing with hindrances, you need the prayer of faith. Be thou removed in Jesus' name. Be thou cast into the sea. The prayer of faith to remove every hindrance the enemy will put, in your, in your, put against you, put in your path. Anything that he will try to put in you or on you or against you, you move it out of the way. By the prayer of faith. In the name of Jesus. Be thou removed. When he's trying to put sickness in you. In the name of Jesus. Be thou removed. Hallelujah. Amen. The prayer of faith is to move mountains. To move things. The prayer of faith is to change things. Amen. The prayer of faith is to change things. It changed circumstances. The prayer of consecration is to change you. Right? It's about the heart. Decisions. Consecration. It's to change you. Hallelujah. The prayer of intercession is to change other people. And other people's circumstances. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there are different needs, different prayers, different weapons. Hallelujah. 
The prayer, the prayer of agreement is when two coming together in agreement to pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You come in agreement according to the word of God and at the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. There's unity in power. That's why the enemy wants to always divide. That's why the enemy wants to always isolate believers. You have people out there, believers, they never go to church. They never go to a prayer meeting. They, 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 you know, they, they try to pray on their own, but it's a struggle. I'll just stay at home and pray. Have you noticed? It doesn't work. Corporate prayer is the prayer of agreement. There's power in corporate prayer and unity. That's why the enemy tries to isolate people. When a soldier gets isolated in the battlefield, he's done. You got to stick together. You got to move together as a group. And that's why the tactics to scatter the enemy, they work so effectively. When you scatter the enemy, you isolate, you can take them out a lot easier. So we got to stay together. Unity. Unity is the key for your personal breakthrough. People think that unity is just for church. No, unity is for you. You need unity in your life. As a believer, you need unity in your life. Every believer needs unity. Every believer needs to be united to the body in united prayer. So there is that corporate united prayer. That's another one of the prayers is united prayer. Remember they prayed that in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 4. When they all prayed together, the place where they prayed was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God boldly. And that was after they were being threatened. The Bible says they went among their own company they went among their own company and prayed. Hallelujah. The way to get the victory in your battles and fight your battles is to go in your, among your own company. Come together with others of like faith, the household of faith, and pray together in unity. Because we, you'll, be, you'll encourage one another. The Christian life is not to be lived by yourself. Amen. You are not to be isolated. You're not to be isolated. Proverbs. Eighteen. Verse one. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. See. Not God's desire, but a man who unites himself seeks God's desire. Amen. So isolation will bring you into defeat. So many are isolated. Amplify says, he who willfully separates and estranges himself from God and man seeks his own desire and pretext to break out against all wise and sound judgment. And many times before people are about to go do something they know is not, is not right or is not in the will of God, they'll isolate themselves. They'll isolate themselves from accountability, from unity, so they can go do their own thing. When I, when I see people who begin to isolate themselves, I begin to wonder, hmm, what are they up to? They're planning something, and it ain't good, and it ain't God. 
and they separate themselves from the anointing and the word so they can't come under conviction and correction so before they're about to do what's wrong they will isolate themselves because it's like Judas he left remember the 12 were there but he was the only one who left and Jesus said go and do what you're about to do he knew he was about to betray him because he had already made a decision in his heart to betray Jesus you know and Jesus says go ahead just go do what you're, you're gonna do go isolate yourself because you got your own little plan and I know what you're up to and that that's the issue but it ended up to his detriment he ended up being destroyed so don't isolate yourself and don't allow the enemy to isolate you and protect your heart from offense because offense will isolate you many people get isolated because of offense they draw away and they separate themselves from wise judgment or why or wisdom basically sound wisdom sound judgment amen the passion translation says an unfriendly person isolates himself and seems to care only about his own issues or for his contempt of sound judgment makes him a recluse so stay unit stay united stay in unity stay in the will of God because the will of God is that we stay together we stay in unity and the body of Christ stays in unity and um, and we have to break this concept of church that church is some meeting you go to when you feel like it on a Sunday or every other Sunday church is a family church is a body where you are united with other believers and there's a corporate anointing there's a corporate vision and there's a corporate labor together amen and it's not something you do on a Sunday morning it's what you're a part of 24 hours a day seven days a week Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.